Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators, creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Steve Shankin about his new children's book, Born to Fly, due out on September 24 from Macmillan's Roaring Brook Press imprint which is sponsoring this podcast. Steve Shankin is the author of acclaimed nonfiction histories for young readers. His accolades include a Newbery Honor, three Boston Globe Horn Book Awards, a Seibert Medal, and three National Book Award finalist honors. He lives in Saratoga Springs, New York with his family. Born to Fly tells the story of fearless women pilots, including Amelia Earhart, Marvel Crossan, Louise Thaden, and Eleanor Smith, and the 1929 Air Derby, the first women's air race across the United States. Thank you for speaking with me, Steve. Thank you, Emma. So exciting to tell this story. So how did you first become interested in the history of these pioneering female aviators? That's a great question because it's a really little known story. Um, which is kind of what I do. I spend most of my time just researching one story and then often finding something else that I stash away. And that's exactly what happened here. I was just researching other things and came across this incredible story of these women and their quest to have their own air race, which took place in 1929. And it was one of those stories that even though I hadn't heard about it, as soon as I had, it started popping up in other places. You know, I would turn on the TV and see a reference to it in some documentary, or I would pick up a book that had a reference to one of these lesser-known pilots, and it just kind of grabbed me. If you believe in such things, it's almost supernatural the way stories sometimes find you when uh, you know when you become really interested in them. Once you selected your topic, or as you say, it selected you. What kinds of research did you do to uncover their stories? Yeah, there's not much written about it. Like you said, Amelia Earhart is in this. And that was probably even backtracking my original inspiration, though I didn't even know it at the time, was when my daughter, Anna, was Amelia Earhart for Halloween. And that was probably when she was eight or nine. She's 13 now. And I thought, wow, what a cool role model. So much has been written about Amelia. No one needs me to write a book about Amelia Earhart. So that's kind of got stashed away. And then when I found this air race story, which Amelia is in, which is great because everyone knows about her and she's so cool, I started to research and realized, well, there's a lot written about Earhart, but not that much about these other pilots that you mentioned, Louise Thaden, Marvel Crossan, who were as famous in their time as Amelia was. So the way to research them really was through mostly through newspapers. In some cases, the authors themselves had written memoirs or articles that were autobiographical, uh, but also they were famous in their time. And so it was really fun to go through the newspapers of the 1920s and find stories about their record attempts, their record flights, and then the race itself in the summer of 1929, which was absolutely headline news. In August of 29, it was the biggest story in the country for a couple of weeks. Were there any particularly surprising anecdotes or nuggets of information that you encountered? Yes, that's basically my life, is finding particularly interesting anecdotes. I mean, that's that's kind of what I live for. It's my idea of the way some people love crossword puzzles or, or certain games. To me, it's so fun to find that stuff and then 
try and fit it together into a story. One of the things that jumped out, and, and so much so that I started the book with it, is that these women, when they were young girls, all, virtually all of them jumped off of roofs. And it's something that just never came together because no one had really thought to write a book that included all their stories at once. I think people had researched one or two at a time. And when I did it, I said, wow, these, they just were, had some compulsion to fly. And it was amazing how many of them had these anecdotes from their own childhood of usually after seeing a plane, which they were very rare. These women were all born in the right around 1900, early 1900s, um, right around the time of the Wright brothers' first flight. And when they first saw a plane, usually at a state fair or something, they just went, they fell in love at first sight and often went home right away and tried to jump off their roof, sometimes with an umbrella you know, they created some devices to try and fly. And it was just, it felt like a really cool thing to find that connection between these women because they were born all over the country in cities and rural areas on farms. They had very different backgrounds, but they also had certain things in common. Aside from the jumping off of roofs, they were just considered strange and not necessarily in a good way. That you know, tomboy was the obvious term that people use, but they they loved tools. They would Bobby Trout, one of the one of the pilots in the race, when she was I think 5, asked that people would stop giving her dolls and start giving her tools instead, which was a pretty strange thing for a young girl to do at that time. They all took apart their dad's motors or cars. You know, and that was their idea of of a good time. And in each in their own community were considered kind of strange as kids, but they found each other in this community of flyers. And I think it's one of the great things about this story is that they're rivals. They all want to be the best. And certainly in a race, they all are absolutely determined to win. But they also supported each other, knowing that they had to stick together to try and make this dream a reality. The 1929 Air Derby took place just nine years after the 19th Amendment was passed, giving American women the right to vote. I'm curious, in what ways did these female pilots who participated in the race further challenge the public's view of women, do you think? Yeah, they very much did. And it started, like I said, with with them as kids, challenging the what we would call gender roles now. Nobody thought of it that way. But but they did, I guess. And they said, "This I don't have to do this just because this is what girls are supposed to do. And they continued to do that as as young adults and into their 20s, which is when the age that they were usually for most of them at this race. And I don't think they considered themselves particularly political. They certainly weren't flappers or involved in that whole scene of the 1920s. They were just very, very determined to fly. And they would not accept no for an answer. And each in their own way. Each of them was told at some point, this is not for you. Amelia Earhart was told that a woman's name should appear in the newspaper when she's born and when she gets married. And that's about it. You know, and so they all face some version of that prejudice. And so they may or may not have called themselves political or feminist, but they were in a very powerful way because they were insisting on entering this world, which was completely dominated by men. How do you feel their stories resonate with today's readers? I think it's perfect for today. I mean, we're talking about so many of the same things. 
even literally this week with the women's soccer team in the U- in the U.S. soccer team, and but it, but but in a bigger picture, we're so it's such a relevant issue today that we're talking about how we can break these traditional roles, these ideas that we've had of what boys and girls should do. And it's very personal for me as well. Like I said, I have a 13-year-old daughter who definitely does not choose to comply with what she would traditionally have been told was the girl thing to do. And luckily for us, I think we've come a long way that she doesn't have to. And I think that really that these women are heroes in that movement, you could say, of pushing the limits of what what, what, what women could do. Have you shared the book yet with your daughter? Oh, yes, definitely. From Right from the beginning, even even before books ever exist, I'll, every chance I get, I'll tell her stories from, from it. She came with me on some research trips. We went to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum archives and sat together and looked at some amazing documents, including Louis Staden, one of the pilots in the race, and one of the, really the, one of the key characters in the story, gave all of her papers to the archives, and we got to go through those together. And just seeing her interest in them, and let's be honest, she wouldn't necessarily consider a story from history to be the most, or at least she might not think it was the most interesting thing in the world. You know, she has to be won over. And she really got into it. And that was, it was one of those moments where I said, okay, I'm on the right track. I have to do this story. Born to Fly also features illustrations by Bijou Carmen and a selection of period photos. How much of a part did you play in the visual presentation of the book? Well, certainly in helping to to pick the photos and in some cases finding family photos. I talked to the daughter of Louise Thade and Pat, who had some of the photos and the the, nef- the niece, rather, of Marvel Cross. And, and again, that's often fun to go back and contact families, descendants, and try and find these gems of photos. As far as Bijou's work, she's just a great illustrator. And when we saw the work that she did and some of the portraits that she has done, we thought it would be make a great addition to the book. And I didn't have anything to do with you know, editorially with what she did there. She just was inspired by these women and the scenes that were evoked by their adventures and created these amazing illustrations to go along with the story. In terms of your background, I understand you previously worked at an educational publishing company and wrote chapters for textbooks. How do you think that experience in more academic writing influenced you? It influences me every day, uh, partly because I just don't want to do that anymore. So there's that negative thing. All right, I never want to write like that again, because what they do is ruin history by boiling it down to names and dates and facts and, and making it completely soulless so that nobody gets offended. And really all that happens is that kids decide history is boring when really what they're deciding is textbooks are boring. And it does us a great disservice because it's hard to undo that impression once it's made. So I definitely am fighting against that. But also, it was also really kind of one of those blessing in disguise type things as a writer, because you need to get in your, you know, this idea of 10,000 hours of doing something. I think for writing, it's probably more than that. And so for a long time, I was doing that every day. I was researching history and trying to boil it down into okay, I didn't enjoy the style of the writing. There's no chance to put in a voice 
when you're writing for a textbook. But it's still good writing practice. Nothing beats just hours and hours of of practice, especially when the goal is to write very, very clearly. As you transition to more narrative-driven nonfiction, were there any books that particularly inspired you? Oh, yes. I mean, I read still lots of narrative nonfiction, both for adults and kids slash young adults. I think it's kind of a golden age of it right now. But for books like this, Born to Fly is almost, I don't know if you think of air racing as a sports story, but it really is. I mean, it was basically these cross-country air races were the Super Bowls of the 1920s. They were just huge deals. Tens of thousands of people would show up at the airports for these races, especially when women did it because it was so new and so controversial. So I look to things like The Boys in the Boat or Sea Biscuit, these really great, masterful nonfiction narratives and, and really studied about how, well, how do you make people, how do you tell that kind of story and how do you make sure it's interesting? Even if you're not interested in the sport, there's still techniques that I picked up from reading those kinds of books about making you really care about the participants. And then all of a sudden you do care about who wins. Looking at your backlist, including Most Dangerous, Bomb, and Undefeated, have you found any common threads or themes that tie together your historical investigations? Yes, only in, really in retrospect, because I didn't necessarily mean to do that. But, but again, it, it stems back to my textbook days. Everything does, I find with me when I, when I think about it. And so, yeah, what they wouldn't, the other thing, aside from writing really boring paragraphs and sentences and textbooks, the other thing they wouldn't do is really address the gray areas of history. And there were certain things that made the editors nervous, not them personally, but they were worried that the book would get in trouble. And when I think about U.S. history, I think that it really should make you nervous or you're not really teaching it right. We're a country that's just born in these deep, deep contradictions where we have these beautiful ideals written into documents by slave owners. And that's our DNA. And so that's the kind of theme, I guess, if I look back on some of these stories that I've chosen is to explore that contradiction, how we're at once trying so hard to live up to these ideals and often failing. But there are these moments, and I think these women of this air derby speak to this, where, where, where they really pushed us forward, pushed us toward living up to these ideals. What do you hope that young readers will take away from Born to Fly? I always start with one thing, which is I just want it to be a great story. I hope that's the number one thing, that they just read it and can't put it down and find it to be a really exciting story. And then beyond that, hopefully they'll be inspired to do new things and to try new challenges and also to find out more. That's the other big goal that I always have is that I know I can't tell you everything, but hopefully there's something in here that sparked your imagination and will make you want to find out more and do your own research and find stories that interest you. And will you be traveling at all by plane or otherwise mm -hmm. to promote the book? Yes, plain and otherwise, definitely. I'll go around as much as I can and, and tell the story. I'm really excited to do it. It's always, it's always interesting to start telling a new story. I know, if, if you know how publishing works, where you, you'll finish a book 
and then it'll be about a year before it comes out. And that's the strange middle ground that I'm in right now. So it's, I've probably, I mean, of course, I've seen drafts of it and pages of it. But at this point, when, when they show them to me, I'm not really allowed to change anything, which for a writer is tough because you see uh, these, they call second pages. But uh, of course, anytime you read something, you think, well, I could maybe tweak that a little bit. But you can't really. They really don't want you to. And so the point is, I really finished it a while ago, and it's I've just been waiting, raring to go to start talking about it. Before we wrap up, can you tell us anything about what you're working on now? Oh, yeah. Again, going to this idea of how long it takes before the book comes out, you have to kind of jump right into something else. So mm. I love to just change pace, you know, to go from a Cold War story to a football story, like Undefeated, and then to this airplane race story. And for the next one, I am going back to the subject I love, which is the Cold War. And I wrote a book called Bomb, which is about the making of the atomic bomb. And I really think of that as kind of a my tribute to a spy thriller. And I wanted to continue that theme into the Cold War and set a story that's kind of similar in the early, early 1960s, kind of the very, very heart of the Cold War. And so that's what I'm researching right now. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on the new book. And thank you for speaking with me. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk about it. Once again, I've been speaking with Steve Shankin about his new book, Born to Fly, due from Roaring Brook Press on September 24. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. <laughs>